host, Don Taylor, and today we are talking to the amazing floating head number two. So if you listened to our last episode, we had an anonymous guest talking about what it was like to parent with a narcissist and when they practice parental alienation on them. And today we have this amazing opportunity to see the other side of it. I'm talking about from the child's perspective. So what was it like dealing with parental alienation, but from the child? So this child is no longer a child. I can say that much. I'm going to say she's at least 35. She's laughing at me right now. Um, <laughs> 35 plus a year or two. Um, but she approached me to talk about this because it's a very interesting topic and from the other side of it, right. Hearing about this from the other side of it and how it was like to deal with it, but also now as an adult with an elderly parent where memories are starting to go and now how do you cope? So we don't have a typical bio. We don't have any of those things. So I'm just going to say welcome to the show. I am so excited you're here today. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am I am so excited. This was something when I posted about on my social media that I had done the original interview with the last floating head that, by the way, I love that I call you guys that. Um, so many people were like, oh my gosh, I need to hear that episode. Oh, I think that that was me. I think that that's what I'm dealing with. I think I was the child. And so I know that there's people waiting for this episode and just, you know, wanting to hear this. And so I just want to thank you so much right off the bat, just for even being vulnerable and showing up today. Hey, I'm here. Let's, let's get on with this. I think I can do it. So I think you can too. This is also her very first podcast she's ever done. So there's some nerves, but we're good. So let's start at the beginning. Which parent was it that was the narcissist in your home? It was my mom. And did you know that growing up? Like, did you know anything about that? Or, I mean, it's become a really common word over these last probably five years. I don't even know if narcissist was even in the dictionary then when this all happened, because, um, my parents divorced when I was about four, three or four, and I'm the youngest of four siblings. So, and I'm seven years younger than the one next to me. So I'm where they're 10, nine and seven years older than I am. Yeah. Um, So they got divorced and I I didn't understand what was going on. All, All I saw was we had a happy house. It turned into complete turmoil. And then from there, Um, there was a relationship. I had a relationship with my father and, but I always remember when he came, it was, it was like Santa Claus coming. It was, you know, all us kids lined up at the front door were, you know, big shrugged cheeks and smiling and happy and just can't wait to get out of the house and see him. And then there was mom who would do something, whether it was um, the one time he came, he worked on the pipeline. So he worked out of town and we lived in Edmonton. So one time he comes and he's got his new spouse, wife, woman with him, whatever she was, <laughs> and rolls up in a brand new trailer, truck and trailer, of course, because it was the end of the season and he was able to buy whatever he needed. And he's coming out of a divorce as well. Yeah. Um, and mom had the sheriff there and we were supposed to go camping. Well, apparently there were some money issues. I don't know what was going on. And the sheriff drove up and said, 
hi, dad, um, we're taking your truck and trailer right now. Thanks very much. You can deal with it with courts. And they took it. And here we had had plans. We were going camping or going away with him. And that was it. And then the argument began. And of course, all four of us kids are now in tears on the front doorstep because the yelling and the screaming that's happening. And there's no summer vacation. And that's the end of it. And I, I don't remember what happened after that. I'm yeah. sure we ended up going with my dad for, for our summer vacation. We probably went and stayed at my grandma's for a while with him and whatnot. But that then he had to deal with that argument. But the biggest thing that would happen is we were, because he worked on the pipeline, um, he would come into town. We would see him Easter, Thanksgiving, uh, and summer holidays. And usually with the summer, we would go uh, for the full two months. So there was always this bit of excitement, but there was also an anxiety because the closer we got to an event, the harder it was, harder it was to deal with because mom would start and it would be your father's a bad person. Like she would say things, negative things, and he's with her. Um, so then it gave us the impression that she's sending off to go with a bad person. And why would she do this? Then one day I remember asking her at a very young age, why do we have to go? And she said, because the judge said so. And that was it. That was the reason. So then you have, you know, as a kid, you have these very mixed feelings where you're in this loving environment, but then you're sent off to the wolves, you know, and then when you get, yeah, when you get there, the wolves aren't really wolves. They're just people who want to love you and take care of you and have fun with you. And Dad always had an event for us, whether it was skiing or water skiing or whatever he had going on. He always had an event for us kids to do something with him. And it was great. But then we had to come back and we could never say to mom, we had a great time because we were with him. And then she would be, well, he's just doing that because or something like that. And then she would always take away any joy just she just couldn't let you be happy just couldn't let you actually enjoy it did do you remember I mean you were super young when they got divorced but do you remember anything at all about their divorce what the reason was for it like was there a lot of fighting was it expected was it just kind of out of the blue anything like that I I don't recall any of that um the 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 story the story is is that he was pipelining and he was up in Northern BC. Um, One of the other friends had called mom and said, you better get up here. He's living with another woman. And apparently mom jumped in the car, packed us kids in, drove us up there. Um, And I'm sure she drove all through the night, like a mad demon. And, uh, (laughs) There banged on the door. And yes, there was in fact a woman in the trailer who was living there. And that was it. I whatever happened after that, I don't know. I don't recall. Okay. And and that was that. The divorce happened. Um, and then this happened in a time when divorce wasn't popular. Like this was in the yeah. 60s. So for women to divorce, um, you had failed, you had um, you were no good. Like there was a lot of negative connotations to being divorced. And both of our, both of my grandparents had uh, tried to talk my mom out of it. You know, it'd be easier if you just stayed married, it would be better for the kids, you know, 
but my mom was having none of it. So good for her. She was a bit of a pioneer in that. So she was standing up for what she thought, but, but at the same time though, what she did is she took her anger out on him, but she kept it in the house with us and let it rot. And of course it, um, it's made a lot of mixed uh, emotions over the years amongst all of us kids. We all have our own uh, little, you know, little feelings and things about how we feel about mom. Um, Totally. But it's it's interesting because we, I guess we're all sort of the same, but we're all kind of different, I guess, in our own way, depending on how we perceive our experience. Well, it would be very different based on age, right? Some of your older siblings would have probably seen it more or had the ability to process it different or think about it different or be like, what? No, that's not that person. Like, what are you talking about? But for you, you were four, like you were a child and at such an impressionable age. Oh, it was, you know, sitting there watching. um, I probably didn't really understand what was happening, but seeing the other kids, their reactions, you know, their, their happiness. And then the letdown, the constant crying, the disappointment. Um, and it was, I honestly don't think it was anything that my dad did. You know, he, he, he went to work, he paid his child support. Now child support, there was no, um, he was on a pipeline in Northern BC. He probably had to open a bank account at the local account to take his check, (laughs) you know, and then if they were allowed off, um, early on payday to go into town and deposit their checks you know were they allowed to take cash out like did you wire transfer back then did you yeah this was not the era of I'm going to take a photo of a check on my cell phone and e-transfer somebody exactly right so so if the money didn't get there in time you know I'm sure she like and she has her stories too where she was like we went, we went without money and I had to take you kids over to your grandparents to get fed because there was no food in the fridge. And there was those stories as well that had happened, but, um, Hey, but it was whatever it was, it was right. But nothing was ever her fault. Nothing was ever, Oh, okay. We got to wait two weeks or three weeks for that. It was, he was a bad person and he did everything to hurt us. And sitting back now you know like I'm like she was just such a complainer you know and she just wanted whatever the reason was for the divorce she apparently had no part of it and that none of it was her fault she never did anything wrong she was raising kids she was raising the perfect family she was a good mother we were good kids we were always clean always clothes were mended and know all that kind of stuff she was a good mother in up until that time but then from that point on, it was manipulation. And I want to say deceit, but I don't know if that's the right word. But just the the pain and the anger that she had, she um, projected all of that onto us kids in her behavior. Yeah. So when did you realize she was a narcissist? You know, that was probably 10 years ago. Because... Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm the kind of person, if you're good to me, I'm good to you. Right. And let's be friends and let's do that. But when the parent relationship is really the child parent relationship is really hard because the child 
goes back to the parent for reassurance, for love, for, for all of those nurturing things that you need that. to help go on. And as I grew up, well, growing up was hell um, <laughs> because you could, you know, there was always this cycle of um, dad would phone on Sunday nights. Every Sunday night he'd phone right around supper time because he knew us kids would be home. Yeah. The phone was on the wall in the kitchen or the phone was on the desk in the in, by the table. And that's where you had to sit and talk on the phone. Like, so she heard every word and she would natter and, and bitch in the background about whatever it was. Like tell him you need new shoes and then you need to send some money for shoes or what, whatever it is. Right. And she was always yeah. in the background. The two of them would have horrendous fights on the phone. And of course it was always ended up with hang up and yelling and screaming, screaming, and he's a jerk and whatever other choice words she used. So we were never allowed to enjoy him and learn who he was because there was always her in the background, you know, chirping about it negatively and it reflected on that. So, you know, growing up, it was, um, there was always that dread for Sunday because you'd get the phone call. And it wasn't that we didn't want to talk to him is we didn't want to deal with her. And she just made it miserable for us to live in the house with her. So, and as soon as my siblings could, they left, they all moved out. So then you were the very last one. (sighs) Yeah. I got probably the worst of it. Um, I don't, I think she mellowed out. She started to mellow out a little bit, but definitely, um, I want to say she had her claws in me. Um, so being the youngest, I wanted a mother. I needed a mother to nurture, nurture me and see me through and all of that. But when I would turn to her, um, and ask her things, it would be, oh, you just sound like your father. Have you been talking to him again? Or I had a, um, a cousin who is my dad's sister's child we were quite close when we were younger and whenever her and I would get together we'd come away and I would be like we had so much fun I didn't want to leave so of course you're like I don't want to go mom let's stay and she'd be like we have to go now like it's time and then we'd get in the car and you know you didn't get a backhand but holy you got a tongue lashing about you embarrassed me when it's time to go we have to go and you're acting you know I'm not going to take you over here you're acting just like a brat just like she is and you know all of that stuff that would come out of it so it wasn't just she wasn't just a narcissist for my from the divorce she was definitely you know had some manipulation tactics and there was parent time <laughs> so but it um um she had got remarried and um that didn't go well for us kids um they stayed happily well they stayed married for many years until he passed away but when they got married um she did everything for him and she we us kids felt like she had sat us aside so all of her efforts went into him cooking for him making the meals that he wanted um doing the things that he wanted to do doing the things for his children who had li- who lived with their other mother with their mother um and then we just felt like we were backseat nuisance children after that and of course then my other my other siblings moved out and then me being left at home and uh, then the story just goes on but 
the continuation of the guilt that we were made to feel because we wanted to have a relationship with our father. And Anit, how old were you when your mom got remarried? Six. Okay, so it was fairly quick. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that as like, oh my gosh, it's not like it was the next day, but reasonably fast. With that, something that's so interesting about narcissists is they always choose their favorites, right? And they do, they choose the favorite that is like their person or people, and then everybody else gets pushed aside and they'll often pit them against each other. Oh, that's interesting. Um, amongst us siblings, um, my sister and I, we, we would joke that my brother was the favorite and, um, he's old. He's the one that's older than me or the next yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and he's a lovely, high, caring, high, emotional human being. Um, but she gets to nurture, she got to nurture him. And he, he was the kind of person that accepted it. Um, but he drives her crazy to this day, like until I being an adult, getting to know him and talking about how things are like my sister and I would laugh and say, well, he's the favorite. And in a way, maybe in her eyes, he is, um, because he needs nurturing and it's somebody for her to dote on. But in his eyes, I, I really think he, he saw it as, um, he was singled out. Like, I don't know. He just felt maybe guilty for getting the extra attention. Oh, it, it's, that is hugely common as an adult is realizing that. And they do, there's, there's an, an emotional manipulation and a complete favoritism of one child. And that child typically never gets the lashings the same. They don't get the yelling the same. They don't get any of that. And it's very controlled. Well, that would explain very controlled when he got divorced. Um, he, him and his wife were, they were married and they just, they decided to split up. Um, their daughter was probably two or three years old. Wow. My mom got involved and my sister-in-law, um, put a quick end to that. And <laughs> there was, she was having no part of it. It was not my mother's divorce. It was none of her business and she was not to be yeah. involved. And no phoning her anymore. And that was the end of that. So then my mom turned away from that. And now my sister-in-law is a total biatch. And 100%. She lost he, her control. She lost all of that control. And then my mom was saying things about, well, what's going to happen to my my granddaughter now? And all this stuff. Like, And it's like, really? Like, you think they're going to raise her poorly? Like, you think they're going to throw her in the street now because they're divorced? Like, it was just absolutely ridiculous. The things that my mother would say about my sister-in-law and I didn't see her for, for quite a few years in between because I was, when this was happening, I was a teen and was doing my own thing. I live in my own life, but yeah. I wasn't, wasn't involved in it. Um, but when I did see her, you know, later on as an adult, we just laughed. We, we just laughed. You know, we, we have a hoot together. Um, when we get, when we do get together now with my niece, you know, we chat and chit chat and she's an awesome lady. She raised um, an amazing girl. Yeah. But it is, it's interesting. It's, there's such a beautiful <laughs> connection is if it's safe to say between the kids, typically that 
weren't the favorite or people from the outside looking in. So growing up, I always find it interesting too, how it doesn't matter. Even though they're like, they're divorced, they're remarried, like everything's moved on. They still will not let go of that hatred, right? Like they still need to pitch you against that parent. So growing up, you're forced to see the parent to a degree because of custody and all those things. But let's talk about that relationship with your dad, how that progressed as you got older, because as a child, it's easy. You see him every summer, you see him every holiday, like it's way more simplified. But as we become teens and as we grow up and as we, you know, become adults and all those things, and there's not like a set visitation schedule, how did your relationship with your dad go? It was great. Um, we we lived in Edmonton. When I became of age, dad lived west of town. He lived close to Jasper. Yeah. So there would be lots of times I would just say, I'm going to go see dad this weekend. And, and mom would drive me down to the bus depot and I'd ride the bus out to where he was. And I'd hang out with him for the weekend. And he um, he had a business. And of course, he had to work on Saturday. So I went to work with him. And he challenged me, can you do this? Can you try this? And, you know, I was this shy little kid who um, was quiet and happy reading a book or coloring in my coloring book. And dad threw me out there, you know, and he was like, come on, we've got to go talk to these people. We have business to do. This is how businesses run. You have to learn how to do this. And which was totally good for me because I'm being an entrepreneur today. I'm sure I draw on some of that. Totally. Um, but there was, you know, we'd be uh, driving around in the truck and didn't matter where we were, we always had something to talk about. And sometimes it turned into a parent uh, information giving section session or somewhat a lecture. Um, but he always talked. He he always talked. We always talked. We Whether it was uh, music, horses, business, skiing. Something. Whatever. Like we always had a conversation yeah emotions are good (laughs) emotions are good these conversations often bring up emotions in people and that's it's good we need to we need to process some feels yeah oh yeah well there's there's so much there there's so much history oh there is so where how did that continue throughout your life? Like, did your mom continue your entire life to try to pit you against your dad? Or did she oh, ever finally, so she never, ever just accepted. It it never, it never stopped. It, it, even to the point where um, I was, uh, I was about 15. Yeah. And uh, my mom and her new husband, they had a business and of course they were drinking and they were drinking a lot all the time. Yeah. I was at home all the nights by myself. I'd go to bed. There'd be nobody at home. Um, get up for school in the morning and everybody's still in bed and I'd get, go, go to school and do what I had to do Live, and, and lived my life on my own as an independent teenager. Um, and in my opinion, they worked, they drank, they got drunk, they went to bed. It's pretty much how it happened. And I don't remember what happened, but um, something had come up, an event came up 
we didn't end up going to it. I was upset and um, I got on the bus and I rode out to my dad. Didn't tell anybody I was going there. Oh no. <laughs> got there and show up at, at his office. And he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm not going back. I'm moving in with you. And oh, that was not good. Um, in the feeling I was, one way I was felt let down because he didn't want me to be there. Um, so there was, there was part of that, but at the same time, you're supposed to be living with your mother. You need to be with your mother. And this was him. This was coming from him. Yeah. And so my brother got involved. Um, off we went back to my mom's house. Um, we get there and they're just getting up at the crack of bedtime or noon or whatever. And uh, my dad's wife, actually, she took me away from the conversation. A conversation happened and I stayed. And uh, things apparently were supposed to get better living with my mom and her husband, but they didn't. Yeah. And uh, the day I finished high school, I went to school with my car packed, got my report card. Uh, when school was done, walked over to my mom or drove over to where she was at, at work, dropped the report card off on her desk and left and moved to Edmonton and never looked back. Wow. You needed out. Like so badly needed out. Yeah. yeah. So how did your relationship continue at that point with your mom? Well, funny thing when I moved to the city, um, I moved in with my dad, <laughs> but I was an adult. I was going to um, say, he probably wanted you to live with him that whole time, but he also knew the wrath of your mom. Exactly. There, there was a secondary thing going on there. So, um, I moved in with him, lived with him for a while, went to school. Um, they had a business at Edmonton. So I worked with them for the summer. Um, their business, my job ended at the end of summer and it was like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm fresh off the, you know, the hick town, Albert. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to Living do. Living in this city. <laughs> Living in the city. I don't know anybody. I don't know what to do. So I moved yeah. back. Um, I moved back home with my mom and. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. And then uh, I th thought I lived there. That worked for about about six months, I think. And then yep. um, I found a, met up with a friend that I went to school with and moved back to Edmonton and went back to school and went to college. And I was like, okay, I got to be a big girl and stand on my own two feet. But I, I still had a relationship with my mom, not so much with my dad. Um, it, it was hard with my dad because his wife at that time, um, she was interesting. Um <laughs> during the time that I was living with them um, my brother started going through his divorce at the same time and he ended up actually living there as well and oh my goodness he didn't want us there so some conflict happened my brother and I both moved out um yeah. and, and moved on but it it all of that was a tipping point and I boiled over I I mentally um, I was okay, but emotionally I couldn't deal with it all. So I had, uh, ceased seeing my dad. And so I was what, 20, 2021, something like that. 
And I didn't see my dad till I was 35. And wow. I could, and the reason now I singled him out, but I always looked to my mom for that maternal support, that hug, that emotional um, support that you needed. And with her always saying, he's the bad guy, I couldn't deal with the conflict, but I needed the maternal support. So I stayed with her. And um, it took me a long time to realize um, that I needed him as well. Totally. Yeah, Interesting I, though, looking back, the manipulation was that strong. Do you know what I mean? Like my, my mom often would say horrible things about my dad. She was very negative about my dad and she wasn't a narcissist, but she was like, she forever put him down. And it's interesting right now as adults being like, wow, even when we were old enough to know better, even when experience wise, it wasn't proven. That was such a core fundamental belief as to who he was. Right. And I can't imagine on your side, right. Having had that start at the age of four and the overt manipulation of it, your entire life, right? At 2021, we just, we don't, at that that age, we are so immature, right? Like we think we're adults. We think we know everything and we are so naive and immature. And we see one very tiny perspective of everything, right? Like one very tiny side of everything. But that, that, but that there was like the 16, 17 years of hatred towards him probably or what stole you stole those years from you in a way it did it, it honestly did but at the same time um me I had to do something for myself and I went to counseling I talked to a counselor um yeah. and just you know like what is it well and that was the first time that I was able to t- talk to somebody about my perspective of, and they want, wanted to know what I had to say and what my opinion was where, so that was kind of cool um, to be able to have, have that. And then my last session with the lady, she was like, oh, you know, exactly what you want to do. Trust yourself. Like, you know, just reassured me that um, my feelings were valid. And what I think, what I was thinking was okay. Yeah. You, you, you know, as a child, you're sitting back and you're going, well, this is my mom. My mom says stuff. It should be true. Well, this is my dad. My dad says stuff. It should be true. And my dad was never, he would be like, well, that's your mom talking. That's how she talks. You know, like we have to deal with her, but he, you know, as we got older, he would just call her a crazy biatch because what else, how else do you describe it? But he was never um, the one to say, don't be with her or um yeah. he never tried to have us not see her right yeah. he always um I don't know knew we had to be there or something but she was the one who would just constantly talk about him and it was like, like I said the Sunday phone call every week 
um, the month before we were going on summer holidays, same thing. Um, you know, there was that, that torment that she would, um, the lead up of us leaving to go on vacation with him always. Yeah. So as an adult, so you didn't see your dad for a really long time, still had your mom in your life, except for she's busy with husband Mm -hmm. and everything else. What was it that finally triggered a relationship back with your dad? It was my grandmother, my mother's mother um wow yeah um I was down there one day at her house and we were chatting um and and I don't know how it came up but I found out afterwards that she was talking to my dad on the phone that she talked to him every month and probably had talked to him every month since they got divorced interesting um but uh uh, I never knew what they talked about or how often or anything like that but she just looked at me and she said, you deserve a relationship with your dad. That's an interesting word, deserve. When it's something that's been thrown in your face your whole life. And I don't know, there's something about the word deserve that just hit me right in the feels there when you said it, right? It's like, no, 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 it's not you should have a relationship or you must have a relationship or why don't you have a relationship? It's like, no, 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 you deserve to have a relationship with your dad. Like, this is something that you deserve. Uh, why she chose Powerful those words. Word. Yeah, why, why she chose those words, I don't know. Wow. But she was a very smart lady. And, oh, and she probably knew, she knew your mom. Oh, absolutely she we knew your mom street. we lived down the street <laughs> right like she she would have seen like while she may have not wanted to admit what was all going on she also would have experienced all of it well I'm sure there would have been a lot of conversations that happened um because like me going to my mom I'm sure my mom went to, went her, to hers to oh, absolutely have the, to have the conversation of you know this is how I feel, or this is what's happened, that type of thing. And my grandma was very involved. Like she lived down the street from us. She was at the other end of the block. So yeah, there was a lot of interaction there. Um, but yeah, but for grandma to come up and say, um, you, you deserve this. It was a reassurance that it, it was okay for me to do it. well that you could have it and I guess that it was even more powerful because it was your mom's mom right so it was like this connection to your mom this person that you had wanted and craved this maternal relationship with your entire life that that I don't know if a lot of narcissists can have right Like there's so much of it is about a manipulation that it's not actually a real love. It's not actually a real thing. And I know that was one of the hardest things with my mom is acknowledging the fact that my mom couldn't ever be who I needed her to be. Right. Like there was no way that my mom would ever be able to actually show up in the way I needed her to, or love me in the way I needed her to, or comfort me in the way I needed her to. But to hear that from her mom right who's this other maternal figure in your life 
Well, and you have, you know, in any, in any family, you have team dad and team mom, right? So yeah. you have paternal and the fraternal. Oh, and they never seem to get along and they never seem to come together as one. So it's like team one and team two and who's going to win the game. So when my grandmother came to me, it was, it, it was wisdom. It was power in those Absolutely. Words. But also so far out of what should have been said. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it needed to be said, but like team one and two don't mix. Yeah. Get back in team two. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you're on the wrong side of this game right now. Well, and and this is it. Is it? It should. It shouldn't be like that, right? It's. Yeah. Um, you know, at one time they all lived in the same town, so they they all knew each other. They all you know had dinner together. Yeah. They all went to the coffee shop together, and then they moved. But my mother split everything apart, where it had to be her or them, and. Mm-hmm she emotionally made it that way for me where I, if I would have stayed dealing with both of them, if I would have had the, the vocabulary and the skill set to be able to have a conversation with my dad or my mom and say, you know, this is what I want, or this is what I need um, yeah. it would have been different, but I didn't have that because with my mom growing up, if we, if I ever went to her and said, Hey mom, dad phoned, I don't know what to do. Um, whatever. It would just be, and then you'd have the whole 20 years of history of what a rotten person he was. So then right away, my decision was, Oh, I won't go do that with him. I, I won't go. I'll just stay here. Um, you know, cause it must be bad if she's saying all of this and when you always have that influence you know why do you ever want to go on with that right like and it was funny because most parents when they tell you not to do something you do it (laughs) no but with this it was it was just such it was constant it was there from day one um Yeah. yeah and it just it was it was just beaten into my head that this is the way it was so then you have this conversation with your dad and reignite this relationship. How did your mom take that? Um, well, that was, that was, she was, she was very, oh, oh. And there's, you know, that meme where they, that one just sits there and just goes, oh. Yeah. And then just stops. Um, I had gotten married, was pregnant and um and i invited my mom out for dinner so her and i went for dinner she came picked me up we went out for dinner did our thing and then there was all these little snips the whole time we were having our meal about my father and then we got back to the house and i was like okay i'm in a safe spot i can do this i opened the car door i stood outside the car (laughs) yeah and just said to her i will not let you do to this child what you did to me, this stops now, or you will never see this child. And closed the door and walked away. And I guess that was my warning call to her. Um, it, you know, it was it was big. Um, it took her yeah. a couple. Phone me, but then she also cooled her jets a little bit. She she didn't stop, but she did slow down. 
And she decided not to talk to him. And, you know, it, it got me thinking, maybe somebody just needed to stood up to stand up to her all these years and stop this, this poor behavior that she was doing. Maybe that's all that needed to happen. Dad did like every time he'd see her, like he would not stand down from an argument from her and nor would yeah. she. Um, but as kids, we, we were kids. We were the kids. We were the ones that she was somehow protecting, but she didn't realize how badly I was wounded out of it um, and how she alienated me because there's, there's definitely a feeling now when I look at my dad, I feel very differently towards my dad than I do my mom. And my mom is, um, she's starting to have some senior memory issues. Not sure if there's been a diagnosis there or, or not. Uh, but yeah, but I look at my mom and I see this woman who's turning into this very sweet, kind, daughtery, you know, memory loss kind of person. And I look at her and I'm like, I have negative feelings. I am probably more angry with her now than I was as a kid. And my dad, like, we talk every week, sometimes twice. Which is very understandable. I... I think it's very, <laughs> you guys can't see this, but her puppy just jumped up on her lap. I think <laughs> he was like, I need to just love on my mommy right now because <laughs> she's feeling some feels. Um, it's interesting now as her actions are changing and her behaviors are changing Right. It's almost like it's like she gets to forget the past and she forget gets to forget the hurt and she gets to forget everything that went down and all of the anger and all of the pain and all of the things. Yet for her children, many of you are probably just starting to process it and actually be like, hey, wait a sec. Like that wasn't okay. Those weren't okay behaviors when we were kids. And that wasn't okay to make us hate our dad like that. Yeah. And it definitely, and there, for me, like there's, um, there's no, there's going to be no resolve with her. She is never going to say to me, I was wrong or what I did, what I did didn't help you grow. I'm sorry. There's never, ever going to be that. And for that, I resent her. And, but then I sit there and I look at it and I'm like, well, I guess karma's biting you. You're losing your memory. And if it's Alzheimer's or whatever, (laughs) there's your karma. I shouldn't laugh. Do you think though, do you think that she even has the emotional intelligence or the ability to? Because especially if she is a narcissist and if you've done any of the research on narcissism and, and what emotional capacity they actually have and how they actually like their brains fundamentally are so different. I remember talking to a client one time and I was like, and I said, you can't understand why your husband would act this horrible to you because it's not even a comprehension for you in the back, like the, the darkest parts of your brain can't even comprehend his actions and behaviors on a daily basis. 
because you don't actually even have those parts in your brain. So when we look at our parents and we look at the things that have gone wrong and what they've done and their actions and all those things, it is, it is a thing. I see it every day in trauma work with clients is, you know, the closure that they wish they could have on a relationship, the, the stories, the, all of these things that, that they wish they could have. But part of it is looking at it and being like, I don't even know if my parent has that. Like, it's like, it's like going to your mom's house to cook lasagna and she doesn't have lasagna noodles and then being really, really mad. You can't make lasagna. Right. And then holding that against her forever. But it's like, no, she's never actually owned a ground beef, cottage cheese, lasagna noodles, tomato sauce. Right. Do you think that that could be a piece of it? And, and maybe something that's going to have to be a process for you at some point is that that's not even something that she doesn't actually believe she did anything wrong. So why would she apologize? Exactly. And in her mind, she didn't do anything wrong. No matter how vindictive her behavior was, she felt she was justified in doing it. She was driven by anger, by jealousy, by rage, all of those things. And her actions um, were not sound, but she was justified in doing it in her mind. And you can't argue with that because when you feel you're right, you're, you're right. And you can't change anybody's mind. So the fact that she feels that she was right, um, that's, that's her story. That's how she sees it. Yeah. And, but the, the manipulation that she did with us children is now we're smarter this in this day and age, we're smarter. My daughter has lots of friends who are in blended families and one parent drops them off. The other parent picks them up. There's conversation. that's happy. They exchange positive words and then they go on their way. And I see this all the time and I'm mesmerized by it. It's like I've stepped into the twilight zone that divorced people can actually have a conversation and. Oh, not all of them. And show respect. (laughs) Some of them can do it. There are some that can. And I wish more did. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. But for her, for my mother, um, she felt, she felt she was doing, she felt she was right. She was, you know, but I think she was so vindictive. She wanted to do everything she could to somehow hurt him because he had hurt her and that her vindictiveness and revenge that came out of that went so deep into her soul that she needed yeah. to do whatever she could. And it didn't matter what happened around her. Can you imagine being her husband? Like total side note. Can you imagine a like life happened, but from your dad's perspective, being married to her, Because if she was that way with anger towards him, was she that way with anger towards anybody who wronged her in her life? Well, right now now the story starts to evolve (laughs) because when, and I never sat back and analyzed what had happened, but she had alienated herself from uh, my grandparents. 
And I wonder why, because at some point in that time, they probably said, this is wrong or you're doing wrong. Yeah. She alienated herself from them. We didn't, she didn't take us to their house anymore. If we went to see my dad's parents, my dad took us. She was either not welcomed anymore or she chose not to go. Then throughout time and history, we see these other things that have happened where um, she was in a political position. And then shortly after her political position ended, she moved out of town. And, you know, us kids, we were laughing. Well, she, we just said she got ran out because she pissed off the, <laughs> the wrong people. So she got ran out of town or she chose to move because they wouldn't do what she wanted. She had um, no control there. Yeah. And, and different relationships. So um, she had, had a brother, um, him and his wife, there was a rift. I can't even remember what happened. Not my business. Wasn't my problem. Yeah. Um, I was at a, a family funeral a month ago and my aunt came up to me and she goes, thank you for talking to us. And I was like, what? And she goes, well, thanks for talking to us. Whenever we get together, you always stop and you always say hi and see how we're doing and whatnot. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us. I'm glad that you still talk to us. And I just kind of zoned in and I just looked at her and I said, whatever's going on, that's not my fight. And I'm not going to fight that. And she just gave me a big hug and she said, you're a good girl and walked away. Right. And she, you know, had to go talk to other people and left me flabbergasted this many years after all of this stuff that happened that it was her. It was my mother who did all this. She did it. I don't know if it was structured, but she thought out her plan of revenge and how she, how it, the fallout in our household, how it hurt us. And she continued to do it, not just with my father, but with With other, other relationships. If she didn't get her way, um, she would, you know, cause strife and havoc and, and go on with it. And I think, I know there was things with my grandmother, um, with different, you know, siblings, there was always, you know, family dynamics and stuff there that happened. Um, but my grandma was, she was not a fighter. Um, she fought, she fought, but she wasn't vindictive. Right. And she was, um, she was supportive, um, But yeah, it's the the pattern continued. Um, so now, as a mature adult with children of my own, I sit back and I I just think, oh, how could that have happened? How could a parent do that and not realize what they're doing to their children? You know, when their child's a pawn in the game. Oh. When their and child it- is a pawn in their game, they don't. And I also think there's all these lines out there and these statements out there of like oh they're resilient they'll figure it out they'll be fine or I see have seen the other side of it too where it's they've actually convinced themselves to the core of their being that the other person is actually that evil and they are actually that bad and they are actually that horrible that they've created a story in their head that they are actually doing what's best for their child. And they can't see beyond it. I've seen it. I've seen it way too many times in my life. 
where they actually do think that and not in a positive, like I'm doing what's best, but no, I'm protecting. I am protecting my child from this horrible person, this awful relationship. So I'm not saying that that's what your mom was doing, but her, her behavior and her actions was always vengeance on him. Right. It was always vengeance on him and anything to do with him. um, She was always angry with him and always told everybody about how angry and then how bad he was. Um, So did she plot against him? Absolutely. Did she do things to try and destroy him? Absolutely. But what she didn't realize is that our, us children were not resilient. No, we did. We did not. um, We survived. Did we survive it? Well, no, because each one of us kids, we have our own, uh, we have our own issues. Right. And even today talking about this, I'm emotional. The hurt comes back pain it all comes back but I know that it's not me I know that I didn't cause it I know when I talk to my daughter about her bad day at school or her run-in with her friend I let her talk I listen to her and I say I don't know how to help you with this but I'm here for you let's talk about it um, and we, we, I take that approach because I have no skills. I don't have those skills because I was taught to be vengeful or my, my wasn't taught, but that's what you witnessed. Yeah. My witness, a witness being, yeah. you know, you, you stroke, you strike out against everybody all the time. And that's not me. That's not my personality. Not at so all. When, when my daughter and I talk, you know, you know, how do you feel about this? How did that make you feel? What would you like to do next time? You know, we try and talk through the steps to try and help her prepare. So when conflict does come, she has some emotional shield. She has some verbal things that she can say, and then she can use her head, you know, to get herself out of the situation. Um, But when my daughter says to me, mom, I don't know why you talk to grandma. She's just a narcissist, you know, and she goes off on her rant. And then I, you know, I try and tune her in yeah. and just say, hey, you know, we got to talk with respect about people. Um, and we've talked about it. And yeah, it's just, it is what it is. And um, you go on with it every day. Yeah. Would you have one word of advice for someone else that's listening to this going, uh, hey, wait, I think I am the child that was in this situation. Do you have a word of advice for them or something you would like to say to be like, Hey, this is <laughs> something to watch for something to listen for how to reach out different. Trust your instincts, but what you're feeling like when that parent is talking to you and you're getting those feelings, realize what they are, investigate it, get counseling, what, whatever it is. Now go talk to the other parent and say, this is what's happening let the other parent know what's going on and then try, try and work through it together. If you can, if you can't then seek help because it, it just, it just continues. And you need, you need to build your defenses. You need to build your own confidence in the situation so you can deal with it. 
And you can, you know, you can sit back and you can look at it one day and go, oh, parent is being manipulative to me. I'm just going to end it here. I'm not going to take this emotionally. It's not me. Yeah. And you can put up your shield to protect yourself, but it also gives you coping skills to deal with it. Amazing. I think this is more common than you'd think. And I just want to thank you again, as we finish, I just want to thank you again so much for being vulnerable and being open and being willing to talk about this. I know the, even the term narcissism and narcissist hasn't come into play until this last little while. And I mean, it's being grossly overused these days. I will agree with that. But I also think that like, within narcissistic tendencies, right? We all have a piece of us as narcissistic. Part of it's actually really healthy if you look into it, but it's the level that it's at. But I don't think there's many people willing to talk about it that has lived it for such an extended period of time. But there are a lot of kids right now coming out of it. I have clients in their 20s that were the not chosen child of a narcissist that I'm working with, right. That I can't wait to send her this episode. Right. To be like, no, 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 you need to like, this isn't going to end their behavior towards your other parent is not ever going to end. They're not going to magically be happy one day and healed one day and all these things. And you're going to have to deal with that and figure out like, figure out how to have those shields, figure out how to have really healthy boundaries to protect yourself. Exactly. Because it doesn't end. If you continue to have a relationship, even if you don't have a relationship with a narcissistic parent, the emotion that is brought out in you from their behavior is there. And it's going to be there. It's going to be triggered by an episode in the future, whether it's you're walking your dog or petting your cat, or you're talking to the neighbor, something's going to trigger that emotion. And it may not be there right now, but it will be there at some point because it always does. It always comes out. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My little floating heads. I wish I was there to give you a hug right now. If anyone has any questions on this episode, they want to reach out, they want some advice on this, or they just even need the contact information of the floating head, reach out to me through my website the taylorway.ca and I can ask permission for you because there was a do we want this to be anonymous do we not want this to be anonymous where are we at but I also know the floating head personally outside of this and I'm pretty sure if someone wanted to have a conversation about this that she would be more than willing so my website is the taylorway.ca you guys should know that I say it every single week But thank you for hanging out with us today. I hope that something you heard today hit home and even made you realize that someone in your life could use this episode or even that someone in your life is not behaving really well towards their own children. Join us again in two weeks for another amazing topic. Please tell your friends. The more people that feel misunderstood, the better. And check out their show notes located at thetaylorway.ca. We're also going to list some resources in there um, of some books. It may be some of the same ones as last time. If you haven't listened to our last episode, please go check out that one because it talks about the parent on the other side, right? The parent who's (laughs) co-parenting with a narcissist and the parental alienation. And she has some amazing resources on books and things you could read. So we'll link to that. 
subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love the show, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a rating or review. 